had the uh, privilege this week of spending most of the week, Tuesday through Friday, with a group of pastors uh, down in the Des Moines area. Uh, spent some time uh, in prayer together, and most of the time was just spent studying the Word of God together. Because uh, we believe that, that last line that we just sang, Speak, O Lord, till the church is built, and the earth is filled with your glory. That That's our desire, that's our hope, that we... Um, that, that, that's why I preach uh, the way that we do, kind of walking through a book of the Bible. We believe that it's God's Spirit working through God's Word who's going to build God's church. And that as God's church is built and Jesus is made known, that the glory of God would cover uh, the face of the earth. That's our hope. And so uh, we take uh, the preaching of the Word of God pretty seriously in this church. Uh, this morning, uh, we're looking at a very, very short uh, passage of Scripture. We're in Romans chapter 8, 26 through 27. So if you have a Bible with you, and if you do have a Bible, I encourage you to bring it with you uh, so that you can follow along in that way. If you don't have one, there's always some on the counter there. We encourage you to grab one as you come in. But there's two things that I think we all long for. I think many more than two things, but two things I was thinking about today. One is this. We want people to understand us. Right? We long to be understood. That's why you see often uh, children um, who are, uh, who are uh, in uh, like that stage where they don't quite, um, like they know how to communicate, but they can't quite get everything across yet. You know how they get frustrated so easily? Because it's like, well, I'm saying stuff, and you should understand it because you're my parents, but you're not understanding it, Right? That we've seen that kind of thing before. We all long to be understood and get frustrated when we don't. Another thing that I think we all long for is that we long for what is best for ourselves and for those that we love. You could say that, right? That you long for what is best for ourselves and for those that we love. The problem for us is that we live in a world where it seems like we're not always getting the best and those that we love are not always getting the best. It seems like a lot of suffering takes place in this world that we live in. And so as we see that suffering, our desire is for things to get better. And that's what we talked about last week in Romans chapter 8, that it does get much better. Praise God, it gets much better. But we talked about the fact that suffering is going to continue until that time when Christ returns. How many times would we who, who long, yes, for things to be better for ourselves, but we think of people in our church family, uh, and our hearts hurt with them. We see the pain that they're enduring and the tough times that they're going through, and we long for it to get better for them. Uh, parents feel this certainly when your kids get sick. You would in an instant, wouldn't you as a parent, take that away from your child? We hate to see that kind of thing happen. We want what's best not only for ourselves, but for those that we love. And so one of the ways that we deal with that is we then pray. Right? That, that we, we see things aren't the way that we want them to be. We long for them to be better. And we pray. And we pray kind of like in most of our communication. We hope that what we just said to somebody is what they actually heard. Right? We hope that, that we're understood when we speak to somebody. We hope for that same thing when we're praying. Our hope is that as we pray, that the God to whom we're praying understands us. 
And we also pray that, that, that we hope that as we pray, that we are asking for what is best for us and those that we love. That's what we're going to look at today in Romans chapter 8. The big idea, oh, of course, in your bulletin, uh, as there normally is, there is a, a sermon notes page that might be helpful for you. I usually put the uh, big idea for the message on the top of that. And the big idea for today is this. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will. Bob, you might need to just like shut that down and then just open it up again. It's on the desktop, and then, then I should be able to do something with it, and, and then the, the words will be on the screen. We're going to read Romans eight twenty six to 27 here in just a minute. Um, and uh, I want to go ahead... And uh, we'll pray. Why don't you stand first? We'll pray, and then we'll read God's Word. Father, we're, uh, we're, we're standing right now because we recognize that um, though I have many words to say, these two verses that I'm going to read here in just a moment are, are verses um, that are um, from you. Uh, we believe that all of this Bible is inspired by you. It is your word. And so I pray um, that your spirit would be working as your word is read in our minds and in our hearts that we might be people who walk away from today uh, different than we were when we came in. Your spirit can accomplish that, and I pray that you would. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. God's word says this, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You can be seated. Not much that we're looking at today, but enough that I couldn't put it together with something else and squeeze it all into one sermon. So we're just looking at two verses. Last night I shared with my family that that's all we're going to look at today. And one of my children said to me, well, Dad, what are you going to do with the rest of the time? And I told him, don't worry, I can fill it up. Uh, we'll fill it up. Two verses, and these are two rich, full verses uh, that, uh, that we can spend some time on together this morning. So thank you uh, for for being here to hear the Word of God, and, and I'm, we're just thankful for the Spirit of God who works through the Word of God for His glory. So, little context. We spent some time, we spent three weeks now in Romans chapter 8. Just in our Free Church 101 class today, we were talking about what is, who is the Holy Spirit and what is the work of the Holy Spirit. Just in Romans chapter 8 alone, here's what we've heard so far about the work of the Spirit in Romans chapter 8. We have heard that it is God's Spirit who sets us free from the law of sin and death. You heard Chris say that today, right? We have heard that the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in all who trust in Christ and gives us life. We have heard that the Spirit Himself enables us to kill sin. We have heard that the Spirit bears witness that we are adopted children of God. And today, we're going to find out that the Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray. That's what we see here in verses 26 and 27 of chapter 8. 
It says at the beginning, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, if somebody asked you to list off some of your weaknesses, you could probably make quite a long list. And I don't know if any of us would, on our own, put, I don't know what to pray for on our list of weaknesses. Right? We can think of a lot of things on our list of weaknesses, but that's where Paul goes. He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we wonder, well, what's our weakness? Well, he tells us, our weakness is this. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Like I mentioned earlier, our desire is that we want kind of what's best for us and what's best for those that we love. But our problem is, even if we we know that we have a God who hears us and a God who is powerful and able to answer prayer, but honestly, sometimes we don't know what to pray for. We might even know like the right topic to pray about, but we don't know what to pray for about that topic. You know what I'm saying? I just thought of a a couple of examples this week. And what we certainly, um, I mean, we, we want God's will to be done. We know that's what's best. But it can't be that every one of our prayers is simply, God, I pray that your will would be done in this situation. God, I pray that your will would be done in this situation. We, we want to pray something more specific, right? And so we often can ask the question, well, what am I supposed to pray for? I mean, you know, like, okay, I'm supposed to pray uh, for those that are in, in leadership over us. I'm supposed to pray for this election that's coming up this week. But what exactly am I supposed to pray about when it comes to that? Am I supposed to pray for one presidential candidate to win over the other one? Am I supposed to just pray for the spiritual state of our nation? What, what exactly do I pray about? Am I supposed to pray that God would give me this new job that I'd kind of like? Or am I supposed to pray that God would help me be content in the job that I have? Am I supposed to pray that God would give me a spouse or that God would help me to be content in singleness? Are we supposed to pray that God would give us children? Or are we supposed to pray that God would help us to honor Him as we struggle with infertility? Are we supposed to pray that our prodigal child who's strayed from Jesus will hit rock bottom so that they might have a wake-up call? Or are we supposed to pray that God would protect them from all evil? We, we don't know what to pray for. Someone has cancer. Are we supposed to pray that God would heal them immediately? Or is there something that they're supposed to be learning through this process? We don't know what to pray for. The list could go on and on. And so I think Paul is right that we have a weakness, and one of our weaknesses is we really don't know what's best. We want what's best, but we don't know what it is. So we pray, but what are we supposed to pray for? And how will the Holy Spirit help us? That's what we see in the last half of this passage. It tells us how the Holy Spirit will help us. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But then here's some good news. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Somebody who intercedes is one who kind of comes in between and speaks on our behalf. Okay? So, so we, in prayer, what are we doing? We're talking to God the Father. That's, that's what we're doing in prayer. It's us communicating with God the Father. But we're told here that we don't always know what to pray for, but thankfully, the Spirit intercedes or speaks on our behalf to the Father. The Spirit is interceding for us. And then it says, with groanings 
too deep for words. Now, people that study this uh, wonder, you know, is this talking about the Spirit's groanings or our groanings? And a lot of them come to the conclusion, yes. It's, 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 it's us kind of groaning, not knowing what to pray for, and the Spirit kind of groaning along with us and, and lifting that up to the Father in a way that the Father would understand it. But listen to what it says. With groanings too deep for words. Have you been there before? Have you been in a situation where... Or maybe you've, you've prayed everything you know how to pray, and you don't even know any words to pray anymore. Have you been in such pain that all you can do is cry out in something unintelligible, just some sort of groan and moan of pain as you cry out to God, not even knowing what to pray? Have you been in a spot where you just didn't even feel like praying, and so, so you, there weren't any words that came. You came to a time where you, you wanted to pray, and no words came to you at all. It was just a prayer of silence. Maybe you were even screaming at some point when you prayed. But the good news here in Romans 8.26 is that even in these times, or maybe especially in these times, it's good news to know that the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And then we get to verse 27. Verse 27 says, And he who searches hearts. Who's that talking about? When it says, he who searches hearts, it's talking about God the Father. Right? That God the Father is the one who searches our hearts. Earlier I mentioned, uh, as we were beginning to talk about this, how frustrating it can be when you're a child who desires to communicate something to your parents and they just don't understand and, and, and sometimes, you know, like parents can understand stuff that nobody else would be able to understand. Like that child just said something. Everybody else, it just sounds like gibberish. But that child's parent says, oh, that's what you're saying? Like they get it right away, right? Because they've spent time and, and they know a little bit of the heart of their child. Well, kind of just multiply that times a lot as we think of how our father, the one who made us, knows our hearts. Right? When we're praying to God the Father, we're not praying only to a Father who is far removed from us, who, who is holy and sovereign over all things. We're praying to a Father who searches our hearts. Isn't that a cool thing to think about? That we are communicating with a God, God the Father, who searches our hearts. Not only that, He knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit is interceding for us, and the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in perfect union with one another. And the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. And so here we are, praying to a Father who searches our hearts with the help of the Holy Spirit, who know, who, whose mind is known by God the Father. And this Spirit is interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. There's a lot of good news here. So we can already see how we who are in Christ, we don't always know what to pray for, but it's kind of like, well, we're covered. If all I got is a bunch of mumblings and groanings, that's enough. Because I have a Father who searches my heart, and I have the Holy Spirit who intercedes for me with groanings too deep for words. It's good news, isn't it? When you feel like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be praying then there's a little bit more. Verse 27 is not done yet. 
And a question that you might have as you come to this is you might ask, is this a promise, this promise that, that the Holy Spirit will intercede for you, is that a promise that goes out to every single person who prays? Because lots of people pray, right? All sorts of people. People that don't even worship God the Father as creator. People that don't even worship Jesus as Lord. Lots of people pray, right? And so is this promise of the Spirit's intercession for us a promise that goes to every single person who prays? Or is it just for some people? Because lots of people pray. You see that all the time. Anytime on social media, I've mentioned this before, anytime on social media somebody is dealing with something tough, people offer to pray for that person, right? Which, which can be, I mean, a very encouraging thing to know that people are praying for you. But sometimes you know full well that the person who's offering to pray does not worship the God of the Bible. So you kind of wonder, like, who are they, who are they praying to, and, and is God going to answer that prayer? You're going to spend some more time in your life groups talking about that this week. Uh, that, that's why you see, I mean, just kind of strange theologies of prayer. Uh, one thing that I've mentioned before that uh, I just kind of like, what does that mean? Uh, when, when somebody's struggling on social media, somebody will typically comment and say, sending prayers your way, as though prayers are something that are directed uh, at somebody else. Like, you're dealing with something, I'm going to send prayers your way. Prayers are sent one way, right? Prayers are sent to the Father. Um, so, so, so lots of people are praying. Some are praying and just sending like sending good vibes and prayers their way, or you know something like. Is that the kind of thing? Does does God take your good vibes and thoughts that you're sending at somebody, and does does the Holy Spirit intercede for you in that? Or are we promised that in this passage? I don't think so, because look at what it says. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Now, saints, I mean, in some traditions, you, you hear saint, and it's like there's only sp- specific people that are saints. In, in, in Bible language, uh, oh no, breaker trips. Um, that's okay. Uh, in Bible language, um, there are uh, saints are those who are the holy ones, the ones who are called by God to be His. Right? And so that means any of us in here today who have put our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are called saints. Okay, So that's who he's referring to here. That because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. And then there's one more line. According to the will of God. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is good news for us because, like I said earlier, not only now do we know that God understands us because the Spirit intercedes for us and the Father searches our hearts, we also now can pray with confidence because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, for those who trust in Jesus. The Spirit who dwells in us now intercedes for us according to the will of God. Does God know what is best? Yes. And so praise God that the Spirit who intercedes for us, even though we don't know what's best for us, the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God, who does know what is best for us. Does that make sense? That's that's good news, isn't it? So here's what that means for us. I thought of a couple of applications before we prepare for communion together. 
Application one is this. I think it means that we can pray with confidence. Not because we know just exactly what to pray for. We don't. But because the Spirit helps us in our weakness, interceding for us. And because Jesus is our great high priest. So we have, we, we, we go to, remember how when we pray, we often say we pray in Jesus' name. We're just recognizing that the only reason we have access to the Father is not because of who we are in ourselves, but because of who Christ is. And so we come before the Father knowing that Christ is the one mediator between God and men. We don't pray through another saint, right? We don't pray, we, we pray through Jesus. That's why we say we pray in Jesus' name, right? We want what God wants. And it says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Right before that, it talks about how Jesus is our great high priest. That's why we can go before God with confidence. We have a great high priest that gives us access to the Father, and when we don't even know what to say, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us according to the will of God. Application number two is this. We pray without pressure. We pray without pressure. Um, I think it's good to know this. I'm comforted by this. That God's work is not dependent on me praying just the right things. Right? God's work is not dependent on me praying just the right things. Because that's one of my weaknesses. I don't know a lot of stuff. I don't know even what to pray for sometimes. But that doesn't limit God. My limitedness, my weakness, does not limit God in any way. Just because I don't even know what to pray for doesn't mean God can't do something that I didn't even pray for. Right? That's the God that we worship. He's not limited by our prayers. It says in Ephesians 3.20, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You might think like, oh, I, this didn't happen because I didn't pray that. Maybe, maybe that's the case. But here, here's, this is something I was thinking about this week. I just came up with this. Uh, I didn't get this confirmed with like uh, anybody who's smarter than I am. So I might be wrong on this. So don't, this is, just, this is Jeremy talking. But I was trying to think through the implications of this. Here's what I'm thinking. That God's will will be done, right? And sometimes God has ordained that His will is done through our prayers. That's why we pray. It's not, praying is not fruitless. Some people wonder, well, like, if God's will is always going to be done anyway, why do I pray? Well, it's because God sometimes ordains that His will is done through the prayers of His people. Right? So, so God's will will always be done, and He sometimes has ordained that His will will be done through our prayers. But it's never going to be the case that he will, His will will not be done because of your prayers. It's not like you can mess up God's plan by praying the wrong thing, right? Like, I mean, sometimes we'd be like, uh-oh, I shouldn't have prayed that. Like, we're somehow going to mess up God's plan because we prayed the wrong thing. Again, take it or leave it. I, as I was thinking through that, that seemed helpful for me to think about, that I can pray without pressure. And then another thing I think that this does, uh, maybe some of you have, have tried this before and it's been maybe a bad experience. You're with other people and you've tried to pray publicly and then, and maybe you've tried that and you're just like, stuff came out of your mouth and you're like, well, that was mainly just embarrassing. Like, I don't, 
I said some stuff, and there was something about God at the beginning, and then and then I just kind of, like, I got nervous. Like, I pray on my own, but when I'm in this, like, I get together with my life group, and then and and then then they say like, would somebody like to pray? And everybody's heads go like this, like, not me. Don't look at me. I'm not going to be doing like. We, there's this nervousness that comes with praying, and especially with praying publicly. And I think a passage like this gives me a lot of confidence that I can pray without pressure. You know what? I might I might not say anything that makes sense to anybody else, but you know what? I'm praying to a Father who searches my heart, and the Spirit Himself is interceding for me according to the will of God. So say some stuff, and then when you don't know what to say anymore, you're not even sure what you just said, just say amen and be done with it. That's fine, right? Because we have a Father who searches our hearts, and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us who intercedes for us according to the will of God. There's so much good news in these two verses. Hopefully you see that today. But I think all of this prepares us for communion as well. How does it do that? (coughs) Excuse me. Well, I think one thing is this. That we have a God who understands us. When we come to communion together, I'm thinking of Psalm 139. Psalm 139 verse 1 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. That's the God that we worship. And then, that's the first verse of the psalm. And the last verse of the psalm says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Listen to this. And see if there be any grievous way in me, wicked way in me, sinful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That'd be a good thing for us to pray, right? Praying that we know we have a God who knows our hearts and to ask Him, God, could you see if there is any way in me that is not in line with your will for me? God, would you would you would you search my heart and point out to me ways in which I am not living in light of who you are and what you've called me to? Our sin is deep. So when we ask God, see if there be any grievous or sinful way in me. It's not like he's going to run out of material, right? I have many sinful and grievous ways in my heart. And we have a God who knows every one of them. And so one of the implications I think that has that we come to communion with today is this. Listen, when we come to communion, we should prepare ourselves to to take a symbol, take the bread that reminds us of the body of Christ and the blood that remind the the cup that reminds us of the blood of Christ when we come to take that we always have time to reflect right and, and there are sins in our lives that we might be tempted to hide from sins that we've hidden from other people we don't want other people to know how ugly and deep our sin runs but i think we need to know and hear the reality today that we have a God who searches our hearts and he knows anyway and so we don't come to this time of communion hiding stuff and trying to trick God into thinking we're better than we really are we can come to the communion table broken maybe broken because of the sins like like I know what I'm supposed to do and I didn't do it or maybe I knew what I wasn't supposed to do and I did it and we can come and we can bring all that before God 
brokenhearted because of our sin. He knows it anyway. Hopefully that's the way that you come to the communion table today, knowing, though, that the same God who knows our hearts and minds, it was this same God who sent His Son to take on the punishment that we deserve. This same God sent His Son to be our representative and substitute, to die for our sins. And so because Jesus shed His blood on the cross for all who repent of their sins and trust in Him, all sin is forgiven. It's all taken away. It's paid for in full. Jesus died and He rose again. He is seated at the right hand of God and He indeed is interceding for us. We're going to sing later, He is our one defense. He is our righteousness. We don't come before Him like we've all somehow attained this goodness through our religious activity. We come before Him as broken, sinful people who have righteousness only because it's been given to us through faith in Christ.